But welcome, welcome, uh, wherever you are at, whomever you are with, uh, we're so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments together, and uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I know that uh, for a lot of us, uh, Father's Day can be a mixed bag, you know, filled with both uh, good memories and memories that may not be so good, but uh, we happen to believe that God is able to take all things and work them together for his good work in our lives. And so I uh, just want to uh, give a shout out to all you dads. Hope that you find uh, the time to be encouraged uh, by your role that you play uh, in the lives of children, which are so very important. And uh, also I uh, want to offer this teaching series to you uh, as a Father's Day gift. Uh, we are in a series called Almost Happy. And uh, we are using the Apostle Paul's amazing letter to a group of his friends in Philippi. And, and I got to say this about the Apostle Paul. Uh, when it comes to the knowledge that he has about Jesus Christ, uh, the Apostle Paul is like the Einstein of uh, the knowledge of Jesus. In fact, he has insight into what he calls the mystery of Christ that goes beyond uh, anything that any of us could come up with. It's a, a special God-given uh, awareness that Paul gave to, uh, that God gave to Paul, which he says is for us. In fact, he writes about it in one of his letters, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 2. He says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery that has been made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading these words, then, uh, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations. So uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, of all people, is peculiarly uh, uh, able to speak to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. And it's uh, that apostle who writes this letter uh, to his friends in Philippi. And it's about the joy and the happiness that can be found in this mystery of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we are getting a rare opportunity uh, to be mentored uh, in how to find true happiness, which Jesus Christ puts us on a pathway towards. You know, we've uh, looked at in this series, uh, the essentials for happiness. And uh, all of the experts agree that these things are critical if we are going to know true and lasting happiness in life. And they are having a purpose uh, that is uh, bigger than yourself. Uh, having a positive view of your own personal story, your journey through life. The ability to see value and meaning in life sufferings and difficulties and uh, the ability to form real, authentic, meaningful connections to God and to people. Well, uh, Paul's contention is that all of these things are found in a relationship with Jesus. And if we truly follow him, he leads us into each of those happiness essentials. And uh, I would say this uh, to all you dads out there. Uh, receive this teaching uh, as a Father's Day gift uh, from a mentor uh, with the, the gifts and the abilities uh, of the Apostle Paul. Uh, now, when Paul talks about being happy, we should sit up and take notice. Uh, this is someone who uh, 
has not been, um, you know, received some uh, three tips to lasting happiness or some pop psychology uh, way of uh, masking, uh, putting, putting on a happy face over an interior world that's uh, not so well put together. I remember when I first became a follower of Christ, I had a friend who, uh, he had faith, but he was very much into positive thinking. And I'll never forget one of his mantras was, I'm a need to win winner. And uh, he would quote that hundreds of times a day to remind himself that he is indeed a winner who needs to win. Well, when Paul talks about genuine happiness, he's talking about something that has much more substance than that. In fact, uh, in one of his letters, uh, Paul recounts uh, how full of difficulty and challenging his life really was. Uh, he says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Uh, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Uh, Paul knew what it was to be in danger and to be threatened in this life. He said, I've labored and I've toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger. I've known thirst. And I've often gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. See, when Paul talks about happiness, he's talking about something that goes beyond life's difficulties, uh, that is uh, more substantial and more lasting and enduring than the ups and downs that we all encounter. Uh, Paul is giving us truth that works the night shift. It's truth that uh, lives in the trenches of life. It's truth that labors in the heat of day and toils through the cold of night. Paul is giving us truth that wins in the boardroom, that stands up in court, that prevails even in prison. Uh, see, Paul, when he talks about being happy, he's talking about something that is deeply rooted in the truth about God as revealed in Jesus Christ. In fact, the very church that Paul writes his letter uh, to in Philippi was birthed in the furnace. Uh, we saw last week that uh, many of the believers in the church in Philippi came to Christ when Paul and Silas had been unjustly tried, sentenced to prison, beaten, and in the middle of the night, we're told they were singing hymns of praise to God and all the prisoners were listening in. Well, that night, many of those prisoners, including the jailer himself, met Christ, became followers, and became part of the core of this church that Paul is writing to. Uh, so this passage that we come to today in Paul's letter, uh, where he invites us to, to move beyond almost happy and become uh, truly and genuinely joyful and find those deep wells of, uh, of refreshment that come through Christ, uh, Paul is talking about something that is lasting and enduring and valuable. And he would say this to us, uh, when it comes to finding happiness, how about you try this? How about you try changing your mind? Uh, try changing your mind 
and uh, discover that you can change your journey through life. You know, uh, there are many things that we guys like to change. I like to change the oil in my car. Uh, I like it when I change the tires on my car. Sometimes we get tired of our cars and we change them. Uh, sometimes we change jobs. We change careers. Uh, sadly enough, sometimes uh, guys will even change spouses, change families. And if we hit a midlife crisis, we'll try and change everything in order to find that happiness that is elusive. Well, the apostle would say, look, if you want to find a joy that lasts, if you want to find that sense of well-being that overcomes, how about you try changing your mind? How about you try changing your outlook on life? How about you change the way you interpret difficulties? How about you change your view of your challenges? How about changing the way you see the world around you? How about changing the way you see yourself, the way you see God and experience and live with him? See, uh, here's the truth when it comes to our minds and our, their influence on our lives. Uh, here's a couple of truths we may not like to admit. Uh, what comes into your mind comes out in your life. Uh, that's, that's simple yet profound. What comes into our thoughts comes out in our lives. And here's another one. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. It's it simply, uh, it's incongruent. And so uh, the Apostle Paul would communicate to us the kind of change that leads to genuine and lasting, lasting happiness is the change that begins in our thinking, in our minds. Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, probably Paul's greatest letter. Uh, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Uh, and if wherever you're at hearing these words, I'd like to invite you to read this verse with me uh, together, especially the part highlighted in yellow. Uh, on three, one, two, three, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, be changed, be dramatically improved. Uh, find that next uh, step, that next level uh, of wholeness that you're aiming at through the transform the change that happens in your minds. Paul says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, our brains uh, may be one of the most uh, God-like things about us. You know, the Bible says we've been created in the image of God, and I happen to believe that our brains uh, are one of those things that truly do carry the attributes of God. Uh, the Bible literally says, as a man thinks in his mind, uh, so he is. And uh, the more uh, scientists and uh, medical uh, researchers explore the functioning of our brains, the more uh, baffling it becomes in its complexity. It's literally made up of billions of uh, neurological connections and uh, thoughts, uh, travel uh, millions uh, 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 times a day uh, through these electrical currents that make up our brain. You know, we used to think left brain, right brain, and that uh, the left brain uh, hemisphere does all our thinking, planning, strategizing, and the right brain uh, does all the feeling. It, that simply is kind of a, a basic primary view of the functioning of our brain. And as neurologists have studied uh, 
what takes place when we experience thought or feelings. Uh, it's now known that uh, feeling cells are equally distributed throughout our brains, both the left and right hemisphere. And uh, over those feeling cells, uh, as we grow and develop, uh, there are thinking cells influencing what we feel on the left side of our brain and what we feel on the right side of our brain. You might think of it like this. There's left brain thinking, which is peculiar. Uh, when, uh, when, again, when neurologists uh, study what lights up in our brain when we're planning, making our plans, uh, maybe you're planning your vacation and you're trying to get all the details in order. Well, that would be your left brain thinking, that planning part of you. That's the part of you that goes to work and uh, plans your duties. Uh, the second part would be left brain feeling. And that is uh, literally, uh, again, uh, scientists can see when we're reflecting on childhood experiences, when we're feeling pain or shame or hurt or uh, some traumatic memory, uh, that's left brain feeling. And there's a place in the brain that lights up when we have those kinds of feelings. And then there's right brain thinking. And this would be in the moment. Uh, if you're an athlete, it's when you're in the zone and uh, you're not necessarily planning and calculating so much as you are taking in a sensory input and you're reacting. And uh, then there's the right brain feeling. And this would be that part of the brain that uh, lights up when we're thinking ethereal thoughts, when we're thinking and experiencing God and a truth that endures. And uh, you might think, well, what's the value in knowing that there are different parts of our brain that have these different ways of processing reality? Uh, isn't that psychological mumbo jumbo? Uh, well, I would say think again. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in this journey of, of inviting us to uh, transform our lives by renewing our minds, he says this about our thoughts. For though we live in the world, we do not wage world uh, war as the world does. We don't fight our battles the way people without God do. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, Paul writes. On the contrary, they have divine power to pull down or demolish strongholds. Well, what are those strongholds? He tells us then in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension you could add in our minds that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. What's Paul saying? He's saying that before we, we knew Christ, before we began this journey of renewing our minds so that our lives could be changed, uh, whatever happened in our thought world pretty much was up for grabs. You know, it was kind of a chaotic scene uh, that certainly describes the inside of my head before I started following Jesus. And, uh, you know, to think or to feel was just the way it was. And uh, Paul says we don't do that anymore. In fact, as followers of Christ, we get hold of our thoughts and we literally take them captive. And it's a picture of a security guard saying, halt, who goes there? It's as if you're uh, coming into the country and before you can get out of the terminal, you have to go through customs. There's somebody who checks your passport. Nowadays, they're going to check your vaccine status. And they want to see if you're equipped, you're allowed to be to enter 
into the country, and it's that imagery that Paul says, look, if we want to take charge of our thoughts, if we want to begin to weed out the negative thoughts that are coming out in our lives, the place to start is uh, we make every thought captive. We say, wait a minute, uh, I'm not sure I want to allow that thought to remain. It's almost to put it in a dad's day scenario. Dad's been away on vacation, and the kids have ruled the roost, and uh, things have gotten chaotic, and uh, mother issues those words. You wait until your father gets home. Well, now father's home, and he says, party's over. You know, kids, time to pick up your room. Do your chores. Uh, order is coming into chaos. It's that kind of thinking that Paul says can uh, come into our own thought lives. Now that we're followers of Christ, we can begin to renew our minds so that we can experience authentic transformation. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I would certainly admit uh, I have all kinds of negative thoughts that I battle with. Uh, I have thoughts that can discourage me and depress me and make me feel incapable and useless. And uh, if I allow those thoughts to, to rule the roost, uh, that's what's going to come out. In my life, uh, we can form what uh, people call cognitive biases or mental filters, uh, where we begin to view all of life through these filters. We start to see the world, what God's doing in my life, what he's doing in relationships through those biases. A great example of this from the Bible is Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Uh, in these chapters, Moses sends 12 spies into the land, into the promised land, to check it out, uh, to evaluate uh, the potential. Well, when they return, uh, 10 of them have what is called an evil report. They said, sure, there's some good things about the land, but there are things we simply couldn't deal with. And we wouldn't be able to overcome. Uh, in fact, there's giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers. Well, what was happening? They were viewing even their land of promise uh, through their own mental filters. But two of the spies returned, and they said, no, this land is a good land. It's beautiful. God is with us. God has given it to us, and we should certainly move into it. Uh, see, uh, here's the truth. Uh, the more we think a certain thought, whether positive or negative, the easier it is to go back to that thought. In fact, uh, we form in our ways of thinking what, what are called neuropathways, uh, if you feel shame often, you know exactly what we're talking about. The more you feel that, the easier it is to feel it again. It's almost like uh, if you walk out your front door and you take the same pathway through your grass day in and day out, year in and year out, decade after decade, you're going to wear quite a path uh, through your grass. And uh, in order to change that, you have to intentionally decide, I'm going to walk a different way. I'm going to walk in a different truth. I'm going to take that thought captive and change it. I'm going to allow God to reframe. You know, reframing uh, is a kind of a current buzzword, but it's a biblical truth that we have the ability to create a different way of looking at situations or relationships. We can literally change the meaning by how we choose to see it. In fact, Paul's letter to the Philippians is filled with uh, examples of how he chose to see his suffering, his imprisonment, his hardships, his difficulties, his conflicts, all of them as things that God was using to advance his purposes in him 
and through him to others. God gives us an amazing ability to shape the directions of our thought lives, which form the reality of our lives. And, and uh, as we begin to conclude this series and this teaching, I want to take you to what I consider to be the kind of the pinnacle of Paul's uh, address on, on renewing our minds. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Uh, Paul is saying, look, don't, don't allow your thoughts to be consumed with anxiety and worry, but instead allow your thoughts to be filled with conversations with God and the peace of God, which transcends all of our strategizing, will guard your hearts and will keep your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, I would just pause and say, do those words describe your thought life? Not sometimes, but uh, many times not. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, read these words aloud. Think about such things. Direct your thoughts and your intentions to these things. Put into practice what you have seen in me and the God of peace. We'll be with you. What's Paul saying? If we'll direct our thoughts, uh, they will take us somewhere good. They will take us into the presence and the peace about God. See, when I think about what is true, uh, I think about the message of Jesus. I think about the story of God's love communicated through the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think about uh, the, the truth that he has given me the right to become a child of God. See, that's truth that is worth thinking about. Uh, when I think about what is noble, uh, I often uh, think about epic movies like Lord of the Rings that magnify the virtues of friendship, loyalty, sacrifice, and love uh, for what is right and what is good. The joy of the journey and the importance of those we journey with comes to light when I think about these things. Uh, I also think about people, uh, people in our own church family like Dr. Jerry Rusher, who uh, decades after his retirement continues to travel to places like Burundi and Haiti uh, to serve and to give medical attention to the poor and the marginalized. Uh, that's noble. And Paul says those kinds of things are valuable and worth being inspired by and worth thinking about. Uh, when I think about what is right, I think about things like integrity and honesty and hard work. I think of some of my neighbors who literally would give you the shirt off of their backs if they thought that you needed it uh, with no pretense of wanting something in return. See, that is, that is right and just. And these things, Paul says, are worth thinking about. When I think about whatever is pure, I think about people who have overcome addictions uh, in their lives and uh, through their own personal journey have developed a, an authentic compassion for others. And they now use their own hardship, uh, their own um, admission 
that they have hurt others by their failures, they now use that uh, to turn that into some good, uh, good gift and good wisdom and insight to others. That's purity that's arrived at through the fires of life. Paul says it's worth thinking about these things. They'll produce something good in us and take us to a good place. Uh, whenever I think about what is lovely, I, of course, think about my wife. I think about her genuine affection for people and uh, her easygoing demeanor. I think about her, uh, her collaborative relationships with her, her peers at work. I, I think about her genuine, deep affection uh, for her children and family. And I think about the generosity. When I think about what is lovely, I think about the generosity of our church family, who in the uh, over decade of my time uh, here uh, with the privilege of leading this congregation, whenever uh, I have made a request that we help someone in need, uh, our church family has never not responded to that request. That's lovely. Those are things Paul says we ought to think about. We can direct our thoughts towards and they will take us into the peace and the presence of God. Well, Paul says whatever is admirable, whatever is worthy of praise, uh, think about these things. Uh, how about we think about changing our minds in order to change our lives? And uh, maybe you would ask the question, uh, who can control their thoughts? Really, I mean, who can take charge of what's happening in their minds? And the answer is you, only you. That's the only right answer to that question. Uh, only we can manage what happens uh, in our thought world. Uh, someone said training your mind to focus on things that are excellent and worthy of praise uh, is a focus that requires skill. It requires effort. It requires practice and training. Uh, the great theologian Jackie Chan from The Karate Kid said your focus needs more focus. And that, that would be true of us if we've decided that the pathway to genuine happiness and fullness of joy really is through the renewing of our minds, uh, taking hold of those thoughts that weigh us down and hold us back, uh, then it takes, it requires more focus to our focus. Well, here's the good news this morning and this weekend. Uh, Jesus gives us the ability to take our thoughts captive. He gives us the ability to replace lies with truth. And uh, I would just uh, offer you some of these action steps. Uh, here's, a, here's a step you can take today. What is one thought, just one, not a myriad of thoughts, not a million thoughts. What is one thought that consistently weighs you down or holds you back? I guarantee you, if you'll pause just for a moment, ask yourself that question, you'll, you'll, that thought will come to light. Uh, write it down. Uh, what is that? Maybe it's something like, I will never get out of debt. I could never overcome this addiction. I will always struggle with my health. I will never feel close to God. I'll never have a meaningful job. I'm never going to find a companion. Uh, that would be whatever that one thought is that weighs you down, holds you back. Uh, then you might ask this question. What would the Apostle Paul say about that thought? Uh, what truth could demolish that stronghold in your life? You know, you've been walking that pathway, that neural pathway for 
maybe years or decades or your entire life? What's a new direction that you could take that God would inform uh, that view of yourself or your life? You know, uh, I like to borrow things that have meaning to me. And uh, one leader that I have uh, uh, identified as uh, one of my mentors from afar, he made a list of uh, truths that he says about himself. And I thought as I read these, you know, I believe these things. And so I've embraced them as part of my own internal thought life. Uh, let me read you some of them. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. That's a thought that is worth thinking about. Uh, I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. That is noble. That is true. And that is a worthwhile and it's worthy of praise to think about. Uh, my children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. And I will nurture, equip, train and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they could ever imagine. That's a noble thought. That's a worthy goal. And that pulls the best out of me as a father and a friend to my grown children. Uh, I love people and I believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I'm growing closer to Jesus every day because of Christ. My family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. Uh, this final affirmation, I am creative. I'm innovative. I'm driven. I'm focused. And I'm blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me. Uh, see, what are those thoughts that are worthy, that are noble, that are good, that are true, that could replace some of the negative uh, thoughts that so often fill our minds. Well, uh, before we pray, uh, let me make these declarations over you. If you are in Christ, whatever you're thinking today, whatever you're feeling today, whatever those uh, hemispheres of your brain and how those uh, neurological connections are firing thoughts, uh, consider these. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are strong and mighty. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. You are a weapon of righteousness in God's hands. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. You are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. He says you are free. You are holy and blameless in his sight, free from accusation. Uh, you are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. Jesus said, whoever knows the truth, the truth will set them free. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. Well, let me pray with you. Uh, Father, thank you for this Father's Day invitation. Thank you that you are a good father, a loving father, and you want the best for your children. And Lord, uh, we know uh, from your word that much of our lives will be shaped and determined by what we think by what we allow to uh, run unhindered uh, in our thought life. And, and so, Lord, we're inviting your truth today uh, to come and liberate us, uh, change us. Lord, give us a new lens, a new uh, paradigm, a new way of seeing you, a new way of seeing ourselves, a new way of responding to your truth, a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing our current opportunities and the relationships that we have, Lord, thank you that we can liter literally be transformed 
by the renewing of our minds, and we thank you for that gift that you're giving us today. If you're hearing these words, and you've never opened your heart to Christ, but you know uh, that your best future lies in that response, I want to lead you in a prayer. Uh, you could say this out loud or just pray it in your heart. Uh, Jesus, I want you in my life. Uh, I believe that my greatest good, my true happiness and genuine joy really is found in following you. I don't know why I've never opened up to that, but I, I want to do that now. And Lord, I want it to be authentic. I want it to be the kind of uh, faith that endures the reality, realities of life. I want to have that kind of steadfastness and endurance that I've heard about today, that uh, whatever life brings my way, I can be growing in that sense that God is at work in me. And so, Lord, uh, I put my faith in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and that you're offering me forgiveness and the opportunity to become a new creation. And I open up to that in your wonderful name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.